You know, I'm not talking about being relentlessly fake cheerful. I'm talking about finding the real purpose in why did I go through that? What is useful here? And then putting the rest of it in the rearview mirror because I'm absolutely tenacious about getting back to the high vibrations. I don't want to sit there and relive negatives forever. That's Robin Openshaw, and this is episode 204 of Wellness Force Radio. What's up, my friend? It's your host, Josh Trent, and welcome back to another episode for your weekly access to global experts in all things wellness as we discover the physical and emotional intelligence we need to live life well. Welcome back to the show. This is a special episode. We're getting to talk with Robin Openshaw, the original creator of Green Smoothie Girl. She's one of the leading minds in our wellness world, and we're talking about something much different today than just green smoothies. We're discussing the vibrations, really the frequencies that exist in all living beings and how practically we can understand this. How do we apply these concepts of frequency in our own unique wellness journey? We know that foods like vegetables and fruits and clean non-CAFO, sustainably harvested animals, as well as clean mineral-rich water, this is what brings us the best fuel to live our life well. But what many people don't know and what's most fascinating about today's podcast is that the vibrations within all human beings, literally the electricity in the body of your coworker, your family, friends, neighbors, Anyone around you directly impacts you, your energy level, and your moods throughout your entire day. So when you've heard the phrase like, I enjoy someone's vibes, or that person has good vibes today, we're actually exploring the science around this, how the vibration of the unique frequency of the people you choose to put around you impacts you. And that's the key word, isn't it? Choose. We're always choosing who we hang out with. This is what impacts the quality of our life and the richness of our wellness. So with that understanding, now it's that beautiful time to take a breath break. Take a break. This is the moment maybe you've had no break all day, so take a massive deep breath right now. Do a box breath. Five, 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 five. Inhale, hold. Exhale, hold. Place your hand in your belly. You deserve this, and you also deserve the best food to give you the best energy. But what most people don't realize is that it's actually the micronutrients in food that support our internal organs and our energy much more than just protein, carbs, and fat. This is why I'm stoked to give a huge shout to Organifi, our show sponsor. They've given us so much love since 2017 and incredible nutrition through their green and red and gold juice powders. Give them some love. Support the show as part of this Wellness Force family. You are a part of this community. You get the hookup, Organifi.com forward slash Wellness Force. Enter code Wellness Force and get 20% off, 2-0, for a deep discount off the red, greens, and gold juices. Oh, and also the proteins. I've been loving the vanilla protein. So for all my vegetarians and vegans in the audience, this is the best protein powder I've ever tried in my life, and I've tried a ton of them. But the best part about this powder is that it's 100% organic and vegan, so you can worry less and get your proteins for more energy throughout the day. That's Organifi.com forward slash Wellness Force and use code Wellness Force for your 20% deep discount. And mentioning the deepness, we went deep with Robin today. In this show, this conversation, you're going to learn how to determine your unique frequency type, what that actually means, how that relates to you designing a life of wellness that's aligned with your deepest values, how to locate emotions stuck in the body cultivating skills you can develop to process sadness and cultivate a deeper resilience around vulnerability, how to detox and what Robin learned by detoxing in her later years, actually let go of hurtful experience that happened for her as a child. 
We'll explore the foods and best smoothie ingredients Robin believes will keep all human beings in the highest vibration and frequency possible. And we went many places in this conversation. I know you're going to enjoy Robin's rich candor, her personality, but also if you're the analytical type mind or the spiritual type mind. This show, I was really stoked on how we combine these two things, this practicality, this spirituality. Make sure you head to the show notes page today, wellnessforce.com forward slash 204 for all the links and resources. And also give Robin a shout on social media. Let her know that you heard her on Wellness Force. Okay, my friend, let's drop in right here, right now with Robin Openshaw talking about her new book, Vibe, and so much more. So if you've ever heard someone say to you, I like that person's vibes, what exactly does that mean? It's this unspoken, sometimes unquantifiable energetic match that either makes you trust somebody or become alarmed at their energy. It's been something I've been so fascinated about over the past few months. I got the pleasure of reading our guest book today, Robin Openshaw, called Vibe, Discover Your Energetic Frequency for Health, Love, and Success. But what's even more powerful is that we're talking with Robin about her story, many thresholds she's gone through in health and wellness, why this book came through her to now serve millions of people across the world with this education about frequency, how it applies to our physical and emotional intelligence. And I'm just so excited to have Robin on the show today. Robin, welcome to Wellness Force Radio. Well, thank you. So nice to be here, Josh. A lot of people don't know this. You've written 14 plus titles. This health and wellness journey has not been linear for you. Uh, being a mom, going through many different explorations around what makes us intelligent in our physical and emotional selves. Let's start this off. Let's go deep right away. How would you define vibration? What does that actually mean to you? Well, you know, it's an actual quantifiable thing, and it's not necessarily um, the most tangible thing. You know, you can't necessarily see it. You can see cerulean photography, and you can see electromagnetic fields around us. That's probably the the actual most measurable uh, energy field, electromagnetic. And so that's usually what I talk about. But everything is emanating energy. Everything actually is energy. And Einstein said, everything in life is vibration. And when he said it, I want to say in the 1930s, nobody knew what the heck he was talking about. Nobody was listening. It didn't have any real application. But now we live in a world where, uh, you know, even standard of care medicine is using energy medicine in the form of lasers. You know, we have lasers that heal and we have yeah. lasers that cut. And thanks to our understanding of uh, or our new ability to leverage energetic frequencies, we can we can cut someone open like an, a half an inch or an inch and remove an entire organ. Go in with a laser and with killing rays, we can cut an organ or a gland that isn't functioning anymore or that's cancerous, we can cut it up in pieces and pull it out and have that surgery. You know, the person can be back to work the next day. Then you can also leverage healing frequencies just to go with that same metaphor or example. Um, there are healing lasers as well that can 10x the rate of healing. Yes. So, you know, everything has an energetic frequency and a specific thought or emotion. I'm a I'm a big fan of your show, Josh. I've been binge listening to it in 2018. And I love that you're just jumping the gap between physical and emotional intelligence. There's no, there's no, any divide there is an artificial divide anyway. And, and a lot of how I came to be studying vibrational frequency of specific thoughts and emotions and foods and human beings like why why do we why do we interact with some people to the point where 
a waitress can be so off-putting for us that we literally just rock back on our heels and can't wait <laughs> so to get true. away from this person. And then another person, we can have sex with them four times a day and never get enough. Like you can't, you, you cannot be more magnetically attracted to someone. You, you have that whole divide. And why is that? Why is that? No one can explain it. But I think energetic frequencies are are a big part of that. And we're starting to understand it better because there's so many branches of science are starting to look more deeply at this idea that everything in life is vibration. Like everything, truly everything yeah. is vibration. And, and we're going to scratch the surface, but in the book, there is actually a test that I scored a 26 on for what's your vibe? You know, what's your frequency? How high is your vibe? And people are going to learn about this at the show notes today. It's going to be at wellnessforce.com forward slash radio. Make sure you check out this quiz we're about to talk about because Robin, like you're right. Sometimes we can have sex with somebody five times a day. We can't get enough. And then we're in, you know, public and we get around somebody and we've all had this feeling, this existential angst when we get around someone where we can't really put our finger on it, but it just feels off. This actually is the frequency that we're all putting out all throughout our life. And, you know, in preparation for our show, I actually read another book, Power Versus Force, David Hawkins. And Great he, one. he is such an intelligent man. You know, this came out decades ago. So this isn't a new topic, Robin, but the way that you've packaged this, the way that you're articulating this, why did this actually come through you? I mean, this was just October of last year. So within six months, this is fresh content. Why did this actually come through you? Well, actually in 2014, I did a lecture tour. I meant to go to I think 40-something cities were on my itinerary. I ended up going to 88 cities that year, mostly because I would go to the first round of cities and they would say, if you could come back, there's people I want to hear this. We'll find the place for you. And I ended up going to 88 cities in 2014 and I spoke on this exact topic. So it was kind of a a road-tested, literally a road-tested concept of talking to people about what they're medicating with, what they are doing when they have overwhelming emotions, because I'm a psychotherapist by educational background. My first career is as a therapist. And, and specifically, I, I, um, I focused in school and in my career after that on sex therapy. So that definitely makes an appearance already in this conversation, but it makes an appearance in the book. Some of the sex stuff got cut. I had a whole section on Tantra and, and how we um, can sort of heal these fractured sexual vibrations in our culture that come from a lot of different things, a lot of different things, but you know, the internet and the explosion of porn doesn't help. Yeah. But um, I just started to, the more I studied, the more I felt like these fields that I had been so immersed, immersed in were missing something. The more I studied, you know, I, I mentioned that quote by Einstein, but Tesla also said that if you want the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. And if you're a seeker, I know you are, you're always like me, you're always listening to audiobooks, always learning, 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 learning. Always. You, you, you hear something like, if you want the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. A seeker is going to be like, well, wait a minute, I don't. why don't I know the secrets of the universe? I want the secrets of the universe. Mm-hmm. And then I started looking at how we talk about food and how we talk about nutrition and my most of my 15 books are about nutrition and health. I'm like, why are we not talking about the energetic frequency of foods and what happens to the energetic frequency of the organism, the human being when they eat specific foods? Uh, Why, why are we talking about calories and why are we talking about grams of macronutrients, proteins, fats, and carbs? Why are, why are we so over in this corner looking at this when everything is vibration? 
then I started to look at my career as a therapist and how we aren't serving people if we aren't talking about these energetic matches and if we aren't getting to the bottom of why does this person you met at a party, you met them for 30 seconds and you are just looking for them all across the room. It's mm-hmm. like you feel like you've known them your whole life. You're pulled. You're, you're energetically pulled across the room. You're trying to find a way that you can do lunch later or how can we get on the phone if we live in different cities? Why does this happen? Um, and, and if there is energy to every human being and we are either attracted or repelled, what does that mean for how we're communicating? What does that mean for how we're showing up in our relationships? What does that mean for how we're showing up in our career and how we engage with our colleagues? And so I was just, I just got really curious about it. And then when I took it out and uh, spoke on this subject and, you know, presented as much information as I could find, I found that people were really hungry for it and really ready for it. I think, 20 years ago, I would have had, you know, I mean, David Hawkins was way out there early and and his book is fairly esoteric, but one of the best. Um, but I wanted to write a book to the layperson and Simon and Schuster got way on board and they said, we don't want a woo-woo book. We just want one woo. <laughs> just a single woo. Well, you're talking to the right woo. people. I mean, you're speaking our language, Robin. This is why I've been so looking forward to this conversation because this frequency, it has a direct impact on how we think and feel and act and also on how we eat, move and sleep. I mean, these pillars of wellness that we've talked about so much on the show, vibration is truly everything, but sometimes it can be a little bit like, oh, this person's talking about vibration, maybe they should wear a white cape and levitate on a mountain. And I get that. (laughs) We understand that. But today, like, let's break this down from a scientific perspective. So frequency hurts. It's just a counter. It's a number of times that something happens, right? So if I jump outside five times, that's five hertz. But we know that, and as Hawkins references in his work, there also is a consciousness aspect to frequency and vibration. He goes through all these different emotions, you know, shame, measuring 20 out of a scale of 100, and enlightenment, measuring anywhere from 700 to 1,000 on that frequency scale. Between that, though, there's so many different emotions. This 20, this shame, why do you think, based on your research and all the discussions you've had, why does shame measure the absolute lowest on our consciousness frequency? Shame does. um, Guilt, guilty feelings, shame, um, anger, and fear are the lowest uh, registered vibrational frequencies. And of course they don't exist without us feeling them. And what's exciting is that we can learn how to feel them and then metabolize them, ask them what they're there to instruct us in, learn from whatever they were there for. Cause generally they're there for a reason and they are energies that really should flow through us. But some of us get them stuck on an auto replay loop and they can really hijack our autonomic nervous system and they can, hijack our electrical system. They can hijack our cardiovascular system. And all these things are really inextricably linked and we're just scratching the surface of what we understand about them. I mean, you know, you can get an ECG done and you're measuring the frequency of the human heart and you can get an EEG done and you're measuring the output of energy from the human brain and you can see what happens to them. The Heart Math Institute has done a lot of good work on exactly what you're talking about that Hawkins references in his work and I reference in my work about the really low frequency emotions. And shame is just a tragic one because it it doesn't serve. And it's one of the most common ones to kind of get you on that uh, replay loop where you just replay and replay and you begin to feel more worthless and you don't feel like engaging with other high vibration organisms. Um, 
you know, if we're, if, you know, water seeks its own level is sort of a, you know, not a quantum physics way of putting it, sort of a old school physics way of putting it. But, you know, the, the quantum physics way to put that energetic principle is that like attracts like and resonant frequencies attract each other. And sometimes you can be attracted to someone that you think is very, very different from you, but that's not the point. The not the point isn't sameness, it's resonant frequencies. You know, if you if you sit down at a piano, I I was raised a I was a concert pianist. I went to school as a piano performance major. And if you sit down so I have a piano in my master bedroom suite. And if I sit down and I play a black and white note next to each other, you don't have to be a concert pianist to find that sound uncomfortable, right? Those two sounds next to each other. But every piece ends on a harmonic frequency because the human brain responds well to it. So you might go with a second, that black and white note that are right next to each other. You, we play those together in music on a regular basis, but then we're going to resolve. We're going to resolve into a third. We're going to resolve into those harmonic frequencies. And so these are just frequencies when we're talking about the sound spectrum, but we have the light spectrum, and then we have all these other these other energy fields that science is just starting to be able to measure and as photography and as medicine and as physics and as biology have advanced, so we can go into more quantum ways of thinking. Incredibly exciting things have happened. And so this exciting. Is, yeah, I mean, you know, what heart heart math does where I mean it will make a believer out of you if you look at any of their research where you and I might be sitting in a room. Josh, and maybe we have our back to each other. This is an actual HeartMath Institute uh, experiment they do over and over and over again. And you know, as the person who is emitting uh, heart waves, you know to, to go into a meditation of love and gratitude, and you project that. And my back is to you. We can't see each other. We're not exchanging. There's no eye contact. There's no words being exchanged. But if I'm connected to an EEG and you're connected to an ECG, we can see, and I have an actual picture in my book of what it looks like when you go into an, an eight-second gratitude meditation. It completely changes your heart waves, completely changes your brain waves. So you and I could be sitting there in this room, not looking at each other, not communicating in any other way. And as your, your heart changes and you go into a place of meditation on the things you're grateful for, my brain waves smooth out. Yeah. I, I It actually has a positive effect on me mentally. And so what's exciting to me, the reason I was like, you know, so many things I, I'm interested in that I could dig deeper on and write a book about or do a speaking tour on. This one so captured me because if that's the case, if you and I sitting in a room, not even communicating in any of the traditional ways, if I am having that kind of effect on you, I could potentially have that kind of effect on you, then I want to know about it. I want to understand it. I want to cultivate it. When I come on your show, I want to be there to inspire and uplift and raise the frequency around me because it's collective. It's not like yes. this is my Yes, oh my frequency. gosh, this is the collective. And sometimes we catch ourselves, we are aware that we're functioning at a lower vibration. This is when these negative thought loops can happen. And we've all been there. We're human beings, you know, we're not just human doings. And sometimes even with our meditation, even with our tools, even with our mirrors of mindfulness, we can find ourselves in these low vibrational states. And this, I believe, is where all disease, all heaviness, and all kind of human disconnection really stems from. This happened for you too. Let's go into this 
context so people know a little bit more about you. And then we'll go back to the high frequency, high vibe conversation, 206 pounds to quantify it. You hit that in your life. I look at you now, people see you online. They're like, oh, at first glance, she's probably been healthy her whole life, (laughs) but that's not the case. 206 pounds. This was, you called it my low vibration life in my twenties. Can you share with us about this? Because I think people could really connect with you. Well, I should, I should point out that I was nine months pregnant at 206 pounds, but even when I lost the baby, I was in like the one eighties. Yeah. My high point, not pregnant. And that's pretty fat for me. I'm five, eight and a half, but yeah, that was one defining characteristic of uh, what I call my low vibration life. And I didn't have those words for it back then in my 20s, but I was just struggling with every problem there is. I mean, from Hashimoto's, which was not yet diagnosed, to I had a giant tumor. I was having trans-ischemic attacks, which are mini strokes. I was suffering from major anxiety, sometimes panic attacks, but generalized anxiety. I was on a SSRI for that. Didn't know any better. I didn't know any better on any of it. You go walking into a doctor's office, they're just they've got their little pad and that's what they think that you want from them. It's not it's not their fault. It's what they're trained in and it's what most people want from them is yep. give me a prescription. So it's nobody to be mad at here. We kind of created this monster ourselves. And now if I ever take one of my children to the doctor or whatever, I'll I'll say Hey, just so you know, I'm like not really here for a prescription. I'm here for the diagnostic. I want to know, you know, is this an ear infection? Is it in both ears? Whatever. But will you work with me? Will you will you be okay with the fact that I'm going to go do things that I believe will restore my child's healthy vibration, right? So yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I think that we can eat everything right and we can stay out of all the toxic places and we can change all the all the products we use in our home to get rid of the chemical exposure. Yeah. But Josh, if we do not address who we are foundationally and the kind of energies that we're cultivating and how we are processing the negatives that come into our life, because yeah, I was, I was 206 pounds or 180 something pounds, not pregnant. Um, and I was suffering with all of these different diagnoses. And I can say I was having many strokes. You were having right over arm- 21 different diseases, yeah. right? I mean, that's, yeah. I, how is that even possible? We're, we're looking back, what do you believe was the it root cause of this? Crazy. It sounds crazy. I had high blood pressure. Um, I was losing my eyesight, so many different things. And now I have zero of those things. I mean, I have Hashimoto's in remission and I take bioidentical hormone. But besides that, all those things are in remission. I'm 51 now and I play I play tennis competitively year-round at the 4-0 level. And I do anything that I want and I travel wherever I want and there's no scarcity of energy. But I think a lot of people have 21 diagnosed diseases. If they actually count them up, some of them are just symptom clusters. But unfortunately, I, I don't think how I was in my 20s is all that unusual. Even people who tell you they're healthy, when you get right down to it, it's just that they think that healthy these days is you're still walking around and you're still functional, but lots and lots of people, the vast majority of people are sick. That is such a powerful point. I'm thinking about how many times people have a baseline and their baseline is disease, but yet they think of disease as a normal baseline. Like if I'm feeling this, I know that everyone else probably feels this way too. And I've heard Paul Check talk about this. You know, most people, they're so out of health. They're so in disease that they've just forgotten what a true baseline of health actually feels like. So looking back, what do you know? What do you believe was at the root cause of that disease manifesting, those 21 diseases manifesting emotionally. What was that? 
I think there were a bunch of things. I think I was pretty much doing everything wrong back then. I don't think that I knew how to cultivate a positive relationship. I certainly it certainly wasn't modeled to me growing up. And so then I went to grad school to be a psychotherapist, mostly to heal this really dysfunctional family that I had come from because I knew that I didn't want to create a family like that. I think that I was eating the standard American diet of dead low vibration foods. And we can talk about what we've learned about food. I think a lot more needs to be discovered, but I think the basics are really clear of what foods are taking us down in the lower frequencies where we are more likely to feel shame, fear, anger, stuckness, Yes. Uh, you know, lack of creativity, uh, lack of productivity, or in the high vibrations where we are, con- we are frequently in flow states we are creative, we're loving, we're forgiving, we're peaceful. I mean, we know those feel amazing, right? And we can see on EEG and ECG, we can see what those look like in the output of your brain or of your heart when you are in a flow state, like one of those creative flow states where you lose track of time for two and a half hours and you can't believe two and a half hours just passed and you got a lot done and it was just like super on point creative, the words were coming to you. We know we love those feelings, but when you see them charted on an ECG, they are smooth and high and flowing. They look like what they feel like. They look beautiful and even and consistent, just like they feel. And we also know from the output of EEG or ECG of someone in a state of fear or anger We know what it looks like. It's sharp and jagged and pointed, little pointed ends and very inconsistent. As it turns out, fear looks like what fear feels like. Mm. Wow. This is a contrast to my life because when I was young, I used food as a way to numb my emotions, as a way to quell really the messages that were coming through me that were for my healing. But I didn't know that until I look back. So I'm thinking about you, you know, having so much happen to really give you that deep contrast. It must've felt very dark back then, honestly. Now I'm looking at you and it's like, okay, you're competitive sports, you're at this age of vitality and health, but yet at 26 with these 21 diseases, I can't even imagine what you were feeling then. What do you think you were covering that you then moved on to actually explore and deal with so that those vibrations came through you and you had a life of health? I think we're all covering for inadequacy. And I think in our 20s, the developmental task is to figure out who we are. And so, you know, I'm I'm here in a culture, a very conservative culture. I live in Utah County in Utah and people get married young, they have babies young. And I was having babies really very young and I didn't know what I was doing. And I knew that I came from just a mess. Did you actually want to have the babies? I don't know. I don't know because I was just programmed. I just did what I was programmed to do. I didn't know what I wanted mm. back then. I sure I'm glad I did. I mean, so much learning opportunity from being a parent and and my youngest child is turning 18 in a few months. And so, you know, certainly not sorry that I did that. But no, I think I just was programmed and I think I didn't know better and I I really believe this of most people that they get stuck in their relationships and there are people who are like they're eating this really healthy diet and they're they have an infrared sauna in their house and you know instead of going on a vacation on a cruise they go to like a yoga retreat or whatever but then they're stuck in this miserable marriage where they haven't had a meaningful conversation or or had a really electric sexual experience in 10 years 
and they haven't solved that and they haven't had the the hard conversations to to push through those energies out of that relationship or ended the relationship because that's you know that's got to be a possibility too you know i yeah. i don't want to act like marriages are you know throwaway but sometimes that's the right answer sometimes sometimes that for me that was the right thing like my whole life changed when i got out of a toxic relationship and a couple two two different toxic relationships that were some of my greatest my greatest learning opportunities just because we're in a relationship with another person doesn't mean we have to commit to everybody we meet for life. Yes. Oh my gosh. I feel that. I know people listening can feel the same thing. And it's this mindset where it's a constant practice, Robin. It's not like we're going to get some guide from the internet and then all of a sudden, boom, snap, we are downloaded with this ultimate way of being for high vibe life. No, it it doesn't work that way. You talk about this in the book, um, in your second chapter, mindsets and emotions, how to control them for high vibration. You talk about the mental discipline of optimal VIQ. You mentioned, unless you're willing to let go of some possibly deep held beliefs, even some elements of your identity. Are you actually open to that, to letting go of the things that aren't serving you well? This is going to be the challenge for all of us, this emotional inventory. Can you talk about this? Yeah, that's a great quote to pull out of this context of where we were talking about, because if we continue on discussing relationships, I think that we are far more emotionally healthy, which completely dictates our physical health, probably more than the food that we eat. If we are at peace with the people who flow in and flow out of our lives, and I don't say that to say that we don't fight for our marriage or that we don't stay in it when the going gets tough with one of our children, but I do think that relationships often have a programmed end, and you know we can we can grieve that, we can cling to it. I think so much of our misery is self-created because we don't just flow with change, but probably the greatest the greatest learning lesson of the last 10 years for me, which is the 10 years that I was studying or preparing to write this book, was also my post-divorce years and represented a major shift in my life because my parents have been married for 50-something years. All seven of my siblings are married. It was like that was a fail in the culture that I was raised in. That is a fail if you do not stay married till you're dead. And If I have learned one important thing in the last 10 years, and this absolutely goes with uh, an understanding of energetics, it is to let go. Let go of more things. I'm not saying don't try hard. I'm not saying don't have values. I'm saying there are so many things that you are clinging to that are not serving you, and that if you let the energy flow through and let it teach you what it's going to teach you and cause it cause you a little bit of pain and suffering, but not endless years of suffering, not replay on a loop suffering. Um, I I really now can celebrate a lot of the past relationships that I'm no longer in, whether they be friendships or, uh, you know, a, a lover, a partner, lots of different types of relationships. Even if those aren't cre- close relationships now, I am so glad for all the things that they taught me even the ones that were hard and we were just gutting it out and it wasn't a match. And maybe, you know, we, we, we were trying to make it be something that it wasn't. I love the idea of just accepting what is and finding the positive in it. I don't mean like Pollyanna and the good ship lollipop and mm-hmm. we're pretending, wait, is the good ship lollipop and Pollyanna the same movie? I think that's two different movies. But anyways, you know, I'm not talking about being, relentlessly fake cheerful. I'm talking about finding the real purpose in why did I go through that? What is useful here? 
and then putting the rest of it in the rearview mirror because I'm absolutely tenacious about getting back to the high vibrations. I don't want to sit there and relive negatives forever. Oh, Robin, let's pause right there. If you're listening right now, rewind, listen to the past three minutes. Like this is really the ethos of human behavior, of how we actually change our behavior. And and really when we look at emotions, these are vibrational frequencies as well, which you talk about in the book and you actually talk about 90 seconds, 90 seconds is the average emotion lifespan. That's right, like 90 seconds. If you do the right things, if you let them flow through you, then we can actually live a beautiful life. This has been important for you, you mentioned, about your self-talk in your own fight with anxiety. Can you shine some light on that for us? Yeah, and I think just the awareness that the average emotion lasts 90 seconds is really useful because it helps us like detach from it and just go, oh, you know, there's, there's an emotion. There it is passing through when, you know, just imagine when you're outside lying in the grass, which by the way, is a wonderful thing to do if you want to be in the high vibrations because you're grounding, you're literally discharging electrons and protons that you've picked up during the day from all the, you know, electrical frequencies around you because we live in all this chaos. Uh, you're, You're grounding. So let's just imagine you're lying in the grass and you're looking up in the sky and you see clouds passing by. Well, a person who has anxious attachment to everything in their life or can try to lasso the clouds. Don't go, don't go, don't go, don't go. But a peaceful person lying there in the grass looking up at the sky is just watching the clouds flow through. And just imagine the cloud that you're seeing is an emotion. It's going to be gone in 90 seconds. There's going to be another cloud behind it. And when you can realize, oh, well, there's there's an emotion. It'll be here for about 90 seconds. If it's there longer, it's because you are lassoing it. You're trying to lasso a cloud. And that's not always super constructive. (laughs) Yeah. The rope's going to go through the cloud. We're not going to be able to actually pull (laughs) that cloud down. It reminds me of uh, Jimmy Stewart when he's like, I'll lasso the moon for you. Remember in that movie, uh, it's a wonderful life. So I think about this then this, this 90 seconds, what are some of the tactical things then do you do box breathing when you're in that negative vibration emotion? Maybe it's misery or um, being frightened or being in fear or just hatefulness. When we're in those 90 seconds, what have you seen in your research? What do you do personally to get through that and breathe through that? Yeah, the the little process that I go through just because of a lifelong fight with anxiety. And crazy thing is my life is probably a lot more stressful now in terms of just all the things that you might list out on a list. Just my life is bigger now. I mean, speaking on bigger stages and making a run for big, you know, bestseller lists with book launches. I run, I'm a single mom, do, had to do it by myself the last 10 years, did not get any help from the other parent. Um, lots of travel. I I run a company with 25 employees. It, on paper, that looks really stressful, but I've never been more at peace. It turns out that whether we're stressed out or whether we're at peace have very little to do with our circumstances. And so this process where I... Uh, metabolize, break it down, reframe and release any negative emotion in 90 seconds isn't something that I made up to write a book. I was already doing this for years. This this really saved my emotional health. And at the core of it, I mean, it's really fairly simple, is that when you feel that yucky feeling, and usually it helps to get very present and very mindful of where it is. Some people, it's in the pit of your stomach. For some people, it's up in your head. Some people, it's in your shoulders. But if I feel this this tightness in my chest or whatever it is, then I get very lasered in on it. I go inward for a minute and I have to ask myself, what am I really feeling here? 
Okay, why am I feeling this uncomfortable emotion? Put a name on it. What's really bothering me? Because usually there's something bothering you that's beneath the surface emotion, especially if the surface emotion is anger. Anger is a fake emotion. Usually when we're angry, we're actually really hurt. Yes, sadness I felt is always below anger. It's the fuel for anger. Yep, yep. And for some reason, it's more socially acceptable. It's more macho to (laughs) show the anger. Mm -hmm. Because when we show our sadness, and I've made a practice of this for many years and tried to help my clients as a therapist um, express the sadness, because you actually get a much better response from people when you express the sadness. I just had a thing moving through with a uh, with my boyfriend recently where I said, you know, he'd be like, well, I can see that you're mad. And I said, but I'm actually not mad. I'm sad. You actually get a far better response. People will soften their heart towards you. They'll listen to you if you come to them from a place of your more authentic emotion. But you got to do that with yourself first. You got to learn to ask this uncomfortable feeling, what are you here to teach me? Okay. You're not you're not trying to punch it and get it out of the way before it needs to be because it is there to be instructive. We do have anger for a reason. We do have um, negative emotions for a reason. They aren't bad. They aren't bad. They're just they're just going to cost you over time if mm. they become chronic and they don't they don't ever move through. So when I get really clear with what's bothering me underneath the surface emotion, it's usually really comforting and just to have that clarity of oh here's what's bothering me. This this expression though, the expressing the sadness, it can be probably the most scary thing. I mean, I was just at an event this weekend. We had some of the world-class speakers in the world talking about this for athletes. Even athletes deal with this, Robin, where they don't express their sadness and then that metabolizes into them having a poor athletic performance. This expression of sadness, give us some skills around that. Well, athletes are trained badasses, right? Like, so even harder for them because they have to go out there with extra bravado and they have to be at the top of their game all the time. And so just imagine you're an athlete like that. We all have to confront our crusty mask, you know, our mask that we put out there to the world. I'm tough. I can handle this. Nothing really bothers me. Of course it bothers us. And so you have to start with yourself by just putting it out there that that really hurt my feelings or that made me sad. Or when you said this, it made me feel this way. Um, and you have to accept the fact that they may punch you again and you may feel sad and hurt again. And you have to stand there in that vulnerability and that temporary feeling of loneliness. But there's lots of research that standing there in your vulnerability and continuing to be vulnerable really results in repair of relationships in a restoration of love between you and whoever it is that you're struggling with and just a lot more compassion for you. And when the person you're dealing with has compassion for you because they're seeing you how you really are instead of with the fake emotion on top that they have to contend with, contending with anger is hard and anger begets more anger and we're lowering the vibration of everybody around us. This is why understanding energetic principles gets so exciting is that we take responsibility for the vibration that we're putting out there. And like I said, it's not that we have to be Pollyanna. It's that we understand the ramifications that we have of the way that we express ourselves, the way that we communicate, the way that we break it down. So going back, if I figure out what's really bothering me beneath the surface emotion, then when I know what it is, what's bothering me, what's eating at me, why am I sitting here feeling anxious longer than 90 seconds, which is just, you know, kind of clouds passing through, Mm. then what actions could I take to solve it? And you know, at first you might be really mechanical with this. You might even like get out a pen and paper and write down several different things. And I give I give an example 
in the book of when I was on an airplane and I sat next to a guy who clicked his pen for two hours. He sat next to me and just kept clicking his pen. And I go through this example of how like I felt temporarily annoyed. And then I said, why am I feeling annoyed here? Well, because this guy is clicking his pen. I'm wondering if he's going to click his pen for the whole four and a half hour flight. And then and then I say, okay, so what's really bothering me? What could I do about it? And I kind of went through this silly thing in my head where I'm like, well, I could make a big federal case out of it, or I could talk to him about it. And then I decided to do something different in this example of pen clicker guy. I decided to see if I could be completely at peace with pen clicking going on in my environment. Like I took it on as a challenge. And I got my workout because I was planning on doing this whole work project while I was on the plane. I got this work project out and I sat there and I just directed a completely different energy at the guy. I was like, made up a story about him. You know, he's really lonely, lives in his mom's basement. His cat just died. He's really stressed out to be on this airplane. He has been on very few airplanes in his life and he just struggles with anxiety. And this is Mm. his way of dealing with it. And I just like became so flooded with compassion from the story that I told uh, and then I, I started working on my work and I was super productive and I forgot about the pen clicking. I just was flowing with the pen clicking. <laughs> this is such a powerful story because I'm thinking about when I was a little kid, uh, people would mess with me or make fun of me. And then like, I would get through it fairly quickly. And you write about this in the book, you know, as we're adults, that becomes harder and harder. What you just did right there, really, you kind of tapped into your child self. You know, you went to a place of like, well, how do I know this guy doesn't live in his mom's basement, <laughs> which I think is so hilarious, but children <laughs> let go of these emotions fast. And, and you talk about this. We we wonder what they have that we don't. Where do we lose that ability to release negatives promptly? Why do you think that happens more adults? Well, we we get this really erroneous idea in our head that the crustier and the tougher and the more powerful we are, um, the more protected we will be when actually the evidence um, suggests otherwise. So when you get clear on what, what actions you could take to solve it and you choose one, I, I want to challenge you to consider doing the exact opposite of what you would normally do. If your limbic brain took over, your lizard brain, uh, you know, we call it lizard brain because even lizards have this part of the brain, whereas human beings have a prefrontal cortex and we can think through things and we can act with compassion and we can act from a deeper moral code and we can act with future thinking. Whereas, you know, lizards, they're just, you know, I need to get in the sun. Now I need to get in the cool. Now I need to attack this predator. That's pretty much it. That's yeah. pretty much what limbic brain is capable of. And when we we realize, you know, children are capable of great compassion. I'm glad you mentioned how we we are naturally so many good things as children. And then the kids life always beats there. Us up. Oh, yeah. And when you can access that, the whole world likes you better. And if you choose the opposite, sometimes I do the exact opposite of what is being expected. I, I take it as a personal challenge that when someone flips me off in traffic, I smile and wave. And it's it's literally part of high vibration character development. I'm I'm developing the ability to not be reactive and not, you know, have an angry reaction to anger. That's just that's I don't want to live in lizard brain. I don't want to yeah. be a lizard. Yeah. Want to be a lizard? No, no. I mean, lizards look great, but you know, they don't have the ability <laughs> to communicate about higher states of consciousness. So I love this intersection of vibration, but also these mindsets and emotions, really like an emotional hygiene. This is really what I see in your book here. One of the tools you talk about too is deep breathing. You know, earlier this year, I was on a stage and there was 300 people and I was nervous and I went to the bathroom and I did box breathing for five minutes. And then I turned this complete paradigm flip where I said, this isn't about me. 
This is about me having fun and then telling people in this room how awesome it is, this subject we were talking about, which was how to use technology for wellness. You talk about breathing in your book that breath turns fear to excitement. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's not even my quote. I just read it years ago and I was like, it actually does. And every time I experiment with it, there is that shift. I mean, I've, I've as a tennis player, I will take deep breaths on the court when the energy gets very, very tight and we're down and we keep losing. We keep losing more points and I need to shift the energy. It's a great way to shift energy as quickly and as naturally. You know, I can't necessarily leave a tennis court and go lie in the grass and get most of my as much of my clothes off as, as socially acceptable and lie in the grass and charge in the sun and drink a glass of water. Can't necessarily it do all those like things. sounds like a perfect afternoon. Oh, it's, <laughs> we're actually having a perfect afternoon here in Utah, but that's that, that, or hugging a tree, like discharging electrons and picking up other ones that you actually need is a great way to calm and soothe jangled vibrations. If you just had a conflict with someone, if you've had some rough things happening during your workday, if you've been around too many electronics, but taking a deep breath is as, as simple and as powerful as anything there is. Taking several deep breaths, it just oxygenates your whole body. And too many of us are suffering with you know, anxieties and we find ourselves shallowly breathing for hours and hours at a time. And so, yeah, I, I did not make up that quote, breath turns fear to excitement, but anytime you're feeling anxious and you're breathing shallow, take a few deep breaths and see how much your spirits lift. Mm. I want to go back to, because pull the e-break a little bit here. You talked about trying hard and letting go, which I love this contrast, like trying hard. So many people, Robin, they white knuckle. It's like, if I just get this percentage on my sales sheet, or if I just get this one thing, then I can actually allow myself to breathe. And then only when I have the thing that I'm working towards, I'll allow myself to be in high vibration, but it's actually the opposite. Can you explain that a little bit more about being versus doing? (laughs) Yeah. Just to give you a very vulnerable story, uh, you mentioned that you had listened to my my podcast episode with my friend Dave Asprey, and he has the Bulletproof podcast, and he's been out there for a long time. And I was just like on this podcast interview with him, I was white knuckling it, and I was talking too much, and I was talking too fast, and I was, you know, just like white knuckling it, I guess. And at the end of it, Dave was like, can I give you some feedback? He's like, just calm the bleep down. (laughs) (laughs) You seem pretty calm right now. Well, yeah. I mean, I think I did like 30 interviews in three weeks. Mm. And it was super, super crazy bringing your book to market when you're making a run at all the at all the bestseller lists. Plus Dave likes to poke holes in everything. You know, he's very (laughs) polarizing, right? And so the woo-woo aspect, this audience wellness force, we know that emotional intelligence and all these aspects of exploration of our consciousness and vibration, we already know this is true. We already know that there's science based in this. So, I mean, expressing the sadness, hurts, healing frequencies, destructive frequencies, we know these things have truth. And that's why we're so excited to learn from you on this and this space that you're creating. It's so exciting. That's why it's so funny. Uh, maybe I'm super comfortable with you, Josh, because you're already so deep in this with your with your whole mission of bridging the gap between, you know, the physical and emotional cuz it's exactly what my jam is here. Whereas, yeah, Dave's like he's hearing me talk and he's online while he's doing the interview and he's looking up Bruce Tinio's technology that measured vibrational frequency. And he's like looking down, I'm like, did he go to sleep or something? And finally he looks up and he goes, "Okay, 
Okay, everyone, I found it. Yep, it's patented. Here's what it is. Here's the year it's patented. <laughs> <laughs> this so, yeah, is like this is what we need, though, Robin. I mean, we need healthy skepticism in our industry yeah, because there sure. are people out there that push concepts that are maybe more self-serving, that aren't really healing the collective. Let's talk about this then, these healing frequencies. We know that we talked about shame being a level of 20 on the Hertz measurement scale, destructive frequencies, anger, betrayal, things like this. But healing frequencies, the, the turnaround from this, what are some healing frequencies that we can do literally after this episode? Episode, someone puts down their phone, they take the deep breath and like, all right, I'm going to do what Robin says. I'm going to do three things to put me in a healing frequency state. Okay. So some of the most powerful things that you can do, I already touched on one of them and I love to tell people to do this because we all know that it feels amazing to be outside. But if you are where you have a yard or even a, a deck on your way outside, drink a glass of water. Okay, because we are conductive, we are electrical beings, and we need to. We're made up of more than ninety percent water. So, drink a glass of water. Go outside. Get if nothing else, get your feet in the dirt, the sand, the grass. Okay, this is why it feels so amazing to be at the beach. Is that we are connecting to the core of the Earth, which is five hundred twenty-eight megahertz, which is the most powerful healing frequency there is. We need to be in contact with earth. Most of us go months at a time without any part of our body in contact with the earth. And that's not how it used to be, you know, for yeah. generations, generations, it's not how it used to be. When we get our skin in the sunshine, we are not just forming a substance called vitamin D. That's not entirely a vitamin more. It's probably at least as much a hormone as it is a vitamin. We're not just forming that substance on the surface of our skin that will, you know, help our b bones be stronger but we are actually charging our battery. The, the sun actually raises our frequency. And while you're there, while you've got your feet in, let's say, the grass, that's what I would have if I went outside right now, and charging your battery in the sun, why not lay back and take yourself deep into a catalog of all the things you're grateful for while taking a few deep breaths? So... That's like five minutes right now. You could literally charge your battery, like amp yourself up 10 hertz right there. Mm, that That's sounds so good. Earth, sunshine, grass, gratitude, meditation, five minutes. This is, this is very easy. Like we can all do this, Robin. Why do you think that the mind sometimes says, I can't parse out time for that? I can't parse out time for these high vibrational states. Is that some kind of protection mechanism? I mean, what's going on there? I think we have an obsession with busyness and so like we mean to, but I think us talking about it right now, I think this might be useful for your listeners to even talk about it and know why. So if they know why, like we all know that when we're outside, we feel amazing. We go for a hike, we feel amazing. Well, I want you to know a little bit more about why. When you're fully oxygenating your lungs, when you are providing water to every cell and every conductive part of the body, when you are getting in the sunshine and, uh, you know, that's how you were meant to charge your battery. We were always supposed to do that. Um, when you do a little bit of movement, when you go into a gratitude meditation, we've already talked about how the EEG and ECG, how your heart and your mind respond to thinking about gratitude, gratitude being the highest measurable uh, emotional state. And, you know, take those deep breaths, bring your dog or cat out there with you. You take your furry creature that will have the same effect. Now that's like, what, six, seven things that we did that's just all at once for a few minutes. I just think we're obsessed with busyness and we don't necessarily know the why. So maybe it's useful for people to hear the why of why to do that. 
go outside. If you do it for five minutes, it'll be beautiful. It'll be amazing. Another thing could not be more powerful, more and more people are doing in their homes is getting in an infrared sauna. Penetrates so deeply. You can get Gerald Pollack maybe on your podcast. He talks about this sort of interstitial space in the water in your cells. And it's pretty fascinating, but infrared will stimulate it almost more than anything else. And I asked him, same question you asked me, what's three, what are three really actionable things that you can, that a person can do? And that was one of them. He mentioned infrared sauna. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, And then another thing is if you make a goal of your day, like if you're like me, you love to make lists and check things off lists and feel productive. If you put on your list, then it will actually get done, but express love in a really detailed, meaningful, specific way to two people you care about. When you improve your relationships, we're, you're just healthier. And I don't know of a better way to improve your relationships than to take a minute and look a person in the eyes if you can, but sending a text is okay if you're not going to be seeing any people you want to express love to that day and tell them very specifically why they've had a positive impact on your life and why you love them and why you see them. You know, that makes them. me excited. I, I'm getting literally excited right now just thinking about, okay, I already know the two people I'm going to do when we're done with this podcast. And it's this really messaging. It's the raw vulnerability. Sometimes like we don't want to do those things because it feels like it's work. Why do you think for some people it feels like giving other people love is work? Well, again, takes time out of our day. And we always mean to. We don't. None of us would say it's not important enough, but we just think we'll do it later. And then we don't get to it when really there's not, there's not a single thing that's more powerful in our day. I mean, we know that like you should, everybody should go to a funeral twice a year, right? So that when we're there, we're like, gosh, what am I doing with my life? What am I spending my time doing? Mm -hmm. Am I going to care how productive I was and how many things I checked off my list when I'm on my deathbed? You know, we know these things, we know these things, but taking the time to do them. And and the other thing is too, this kind of goes back to when I was talking through the 90 seconds to metabolize and reframe and release any negative emotion is being willing to be vulnerable, to stand there in your vulnerability and express yourself to another person. They might not express themselves back. Um, yeah. You know, you might you might love them and they might not love you back that day. And I think that that becomes okay and it becomes um, just fine for you. It's part of the letting go process when you accept that they feel however they feel. Oh, you man. just want to express it. You I just you made me take a, a double deep breath right now because uh, my birthday was just two days ago and we just had a huge April full moon. It was the Scorpio. And, and one of the quotes that was actually sent to me from someone who was giving me a message of love was around loving even though we've been hurt. And this quote is, loving even though you've lost, loving even though you've witnessed and seen terrible heartache and destruction is the most powerful thing a human can do and is the deepest purpose for all of us. So this really is a big takeaway, Robin, of yes, we've talked about the science, we understand the frequency modulation of our emotions really impacts our wellness, but this choice, this choice of forgiveness, this is really what unlocks the highest vibrational states. Can you share with us maybe one time in your life where you've forgiven and then the health you received afterwards? Oh, gosh. I did a physical detox. So at Green Smoothie Girl, which is my online wellness influencer thing, 
Uh, we do a we put people through a 26 day detox. About 13,000 people now have gone through this program, and I became obsessed with human detoxification many many years ago. And uh, when I learned that there's physical proteins in your body that stay there, they line the the gastrointestinal tract. And I read apocryphal ancient texts of John, the biblical prophet, the New Testament prophet, and I read. I read the work of Richard Anderson, who's a naturopathic doctor, who talked about his obsession with human detoxification and stomping around in the forests with a Native American friend of his for months and months, and sitting there chewing on herbs and fasting and all of his research. And I, I have been on a, a path of studying human detoxification and what it does for us, both physically and emotionally, for over 20 years now. Mm. And when I, part of my obsession with it is related to my very first detox. I had to wait, like I was studying it and studying it and, and taking notes and deciding which detox I was going to do for years. But I was, uh, I was pregnant or breastfeeding and pregnant and breastfeeding. And I just never, and you shouldn't, you should not do a major detox when you're in either one of those states. But I did one and stuff left me, physical, actual physical stuff left me like I had read about in um, one of the researchers, one of my longtime heroes, he's dead now, he lived to be 97, is Bernard Jensen. And he he like had like thousands and thousands of pictures of what came out of people's colons when they when they cleaned house. But he he talked about how when you release catarrhal mucoid plaque, when you re- release the junk that's in all of us because we eat this standard American diet, plus then we do this stuff, this energetic stuff that we're talking about where we, we don't, we're not releasing. Stuff is not flowing through, and we, that could be all the way from Energetically and emotionally. Yep, yep, yeah. yep, and physically. And when this actual physical stuff left my body, I, without realizing it, I found myself one time when I was releasing this stuff all this all these memories of a person who had severely abused me as I was growing up, a person who's supposed to protect me, beatings, broken bones, black eyes, school involved, teachers involved, like my childhood was quite the thing. All of these memories flooded through like in a couple of seconds and they left me, Josh, they left me with the physical proteins. I did not know that emotions were held in proteins. And this is one of the reasons why the physical and emotional and spiritual cannot be divided. Really, you can't really talk about one without the other. This stuff left me and I wasn't expecting this at all. This flood of emotion from this childhood of being severely abused just washed through me. And I was able to go to that person and say, You've asked for my forgiveness. I'm totally ready. Just with a completely open heart, I forgive you. Now, I have boundaries to this person. This person healed her stuff? No. But it felt so good to let go of it. And forgiving is, you know, I went to Dave Asprey's um, 40 Years of Zen in December. It's it's like $15,000. You go for a week and you go in there and you put electrodes on all four quadrants of your brain and it's measuring your theta, your beta, your alpha, your delta, and you learn a lot about yourself, but they, 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 you spend hours in there with electrodes on your brain going through a forgiveness exercise mm. where you go into feeling, accusing that person who wronged you 40 years ago or whatever it is. And then you, you know, you, in your imagination, you point a finger at them and as if they're in a court of law, you accuse them of what they did. And then you go into the deep emotion of that and you get, you, you hear because the sound changes when you go into a theta or an alpha state 
in your brain. You hear the change and then you forgive them and you, you state what positive thing that you got from what you learned from that or what, what, what has changed in your life as a result of that terrible experience and the learning process. And then you go to whoever you've decided your ultimate authority is, whether it's your grandmother in heaven or Jesus or Buddha or the universe, and you say, am I done here? And the sound tells you what state your brain is in. And if you're not done, you start over at the beginning and you do it again. And the reason, the reason they make you spend hours and hours and hours going through every major thing in your life that you need to forgive someone else for or forgive yourself for. That's where I lost it. That's where I was sitting in a little pod sobbing my guts out Hmm. is where I had to forgive myself for my failings as a parent, for, for ending my marriage, which deeply, deeply hurt my partner, et cetera, et cetera. The reason they make you do that is that you can't progress. You can't be healthy and happy until you forgive. I feel like our entire conversation just led to this point where everyone thought about what's one thing they can really, truly let go of. What's one thing they can really forgive another person, themselves, whatever it is. This, Robin, is why I knew it was going to be beautiful talking to you for so many reasons. And I want to save a little bit of time here for the food aspect, because emotionally, I feel like you've unpacked us way to the bottom of the suitcase here. It's been incredible talking to you about this. Now, food, it also can charge us negatively and positively. There's so many camps out there. There's keto camp. There's paleo camp. There's vegan camp camp. I don't think, in my opinion, it's about being in a camp. I think it's about listening to the vibrations, tuning in, being attuned to the vibrations your body are putting out. How have you come across vibrations and food? What way do you eat now? And and what do you actually believe in when it comes to food and vibration? Yeah, you really hit on the the camps who are all at war with each other. There's probably a lot more camps too, but I just didn't want to mention them. (laughs) Yeah, I think US News and World Report rates about 38 different fad diets every year. And uh, ketogenic diet was the number one Google search term 2017. Um, So I'm very sad to see the ketogenic diet uh, become so popular because You know, I think it's just the Atkins diet all over again, taking the lowest vibration foods we have available to us. And because people like them, tell people they can eat as much as they want of them. So I think we're doing people a real disservice to say, just eat, you know, like burgers and bacon and butter all day and and that that's a good idea. I mean, even if people lose weight, there's better ways to lose weight. I I cannot get away from the fact that the highest vibration foods are – superfoods, greens, and see the keto people don't like this and neither do the paleo people. Fruit. Mm. Fruit has a really, really high vibration, higher than the than greens as a class. I thought that greens would be highest, but actually fruits are. And I'm sad that sometimes fad diets get us obsessed about things as stupid as how many grams of carbohydrates we ate. Carbohydrates are our plant foods. They are the plant foods are the highest vibration foods. They have all the fiber. They have all the micronutrients. And so I think that we do ourselves a disservice to buy into these food fads, which have no longitudinal uh, no longitudinal data to show that eating tons of bacon and butter is good for us. We have thousands of published studies showing that that's bad for our cardiovascular system and it's bad for outcomes. It's bad for uh, disease risk. So I'm not a big fan of the the 
reigning food cults in 2018. Not really a big fan of food cults in general. I think they're industry driven. I think that that's all about marketing. And I think slicing and dicing carbohydrates, fats, and proteins is not, it's just looking the wrong direction. That's not how we should look at food. And counting calories is sort of useless too. Uh, it's like, what, a 130-something-year-old concept? Yeah, that, it's been proven that calories in, calories out doesn't work. There's so many other factors, too. How do you see the vibrational lens, then? What, what types of foods are we doing for high vibration? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, people who eat a plant-based diet can actually eat 200 more calories than people who are eating 20% animal protein is one of the one of the statistically significant findings of the China study that was a collaboration by – Cornell and Oxford universities. I eat a very plant-based diet, Josh, and I don't take a hard line on that because I don't think I don't think it's clear that you have to eat a vegan diet and have no animal proteins at all to be healthy. Um, how much you can eat and what kinds, that's a whole other debate. I think I think it's clear that plenty of people who are very, very healthy eat mostly plants and a little bit of clean fish. I think that's a uh, that's what Victor Lo- uh, Walter Longo, who's one of the world's foremost longevity experts, his conclusions is that really after looking at the body of epidemiological and centenarian research. But what what we know about vibration is that processed meat is extremely low. A, a human being is between 62 and 68 megahertz of energy. So write that down. If you just remember one thing from this whole conversation, 62 to 68 megahertz of energy is what a human being is vibrating at. That's how the rate of speed at which we oscillate. And this very important principle of quantum physics is that a substance of a higher frequency can cause a substance of a lower frequency to increase. Okay, opposite is also true. Mm-hmm. Okay, so just remember that. A substance of a higher frequency can cause a substance of a lower frequency to increase. And that's whether I'm close to it. If you're a high vibration person and you live in peace and love and generosity of spirit, and I'm this, you know, angry person and I come in your space, you're literally going to raise my vibration just by being in my energy field. Also, if I eat an orange and I'm 62 to 68 hertz, and now I eat this food that's a higher vibration, I am going to increase. That's going to put me closer to being in that creative flow state where I'm super productive at work and I'm forgiving and tolerant of my coworkers instead of gossiping about them at the water cooler. So you should know that just as a couple of examples, processed meat, bacon, burgers, all most meat actually, most meat products are about two hertz. Okay, we are we are 62 to 68 Processed meat, too. So what's that going to do to us based on that principle of quantum physics I just shared? Yeah, I mean, definitely there's going to be a shift. But I also have to mention, too, like there are free range sources. There's sustainably harvested animals that, you know, we're all trying to achieve homeostasis, right? This voltage polarity, this 62 to 68 back and forth. There are better choices than for people that don't want to eat any meat at all. Yes. And if you can find those clean sources, that's going to be a much, much, much better idea. I think that most people need to eat more plants. So while I take that, you know, I kind of sidestep the the debate about the food cults, I think that it's really clear that most Americans, when they're eating one or two servings a day of fruits or vegetables, those are our highest vibration foods. So greens, I don't think greens and vegetables really belong in the same class. And there's a lot of other people who agree with me on that. But, But fruits, greens, vegetables, superfoods, you know, so I'm a big fan of the green smoothie. 
I sort of helped have helped popularize that concept on the internet for many, many years now with greensmoothiegirl.com. And I like throwing a bunch of it in a blender and making sure you get at least a quart a day and throwing an inch of a fresh turmeric root in there and throwing an inch of a fresh ginger root in there. Those are crazy high frequency foods. And if you can get a, if you're out traveling and you can stop by a place that makes juice, I'm not saying juice is the only way because a big salad works too. But if you're in a big hurry, get a big giant juice and have them make it all organic greens and a little bit of fruit. Yeah. That's the thing that pulls people back is like, wait a minute, there's so much sugar in these juices. And honestly, I mean, that's why we partnered up with Organifi because I just feel like, man, if I can get in my juices without a ton of sugar, I'm super happy. And I notice it too, Robin, like this vibration you're talking about, when I eat more plants, I feel better. (laughs) Shocker, right? We all get to eat more plants. So last thing I want to mention here before we say goodbye is this recent news of Bob Harper. You posted on your site, this biggest loser trainer. We all know Bob. He's got tattoos to his fingernails, to his neck. He's been kind of widely known as like the military instructor on TV for fitness and wellness, but he had a heart attack and it was like one of these heart attacks that was called a widow maker. He reversed his position on low carb diets. Tell us about that. He did. And I did a book, sort of a book review on my blog saying, okay, you know, this guy, when he had it all on the line, he had a widow maker heart attack. It's been four. 15 months ago that he had that heart attack, he had to take a good look at, he was on The Biggest Loser. He's that, he's so positive. Like everybody in America loves him. It was him and Jillian Michaels. They really had this rise to fame being on The Biggest Loser. And we all love Bob Harper, right? And we want him to win, but he's out there telling people carbohydrates are bad. And in this book, he repents. And he says, I'm sorry I taught all you guys that. I'm sorry I went along with the the paleo fad, the keto fad. I mean, shortly before, shortly before his widowmaker heart attack, he was on, I want to say it was on Dr. Oz talking about all the fat he drinks in his coffee mm. as if, as if that's a good idea. And so, um, I think we need to ask ourselves, is this a fad with really smart marketers telling us that this is a good way to eat or go to the source Is this a natural high vibration food that our ancestors have been eating for thousands of years because 200 years ago, there wasn't any cancer, you know, it was one in 200 people who got cancer. Now it's one in two. So wow. what, this is, this what is were they eating? So incredible to have this conversation because the timing of this for me couldn't be any more powerful. You know, I'm 38 years old recently and I'm noticing as I've been on the computer, as I've been going about my life doing more sedentary work, I've just noticed my craving for plants, my craving for kind of more carbohydrates. It's been increasing. And I've been feeling like my performance has been increasing as well. Like my ability to go for trail runs and go out and have energy throughout the day. So I guess the takeaway from this too, when we look at vibration and food, Robin is you guys all get to try what works for you. There might be some short-term things where, you know, diabetics that might do ketosis that might benefit them and people that might have to lose 300 pounds or whatever it is. But for for most of us, for the far majority, and we're seeing this too in the blue zone work, eat more plants, love one another and get your ass in the sun. Thank you so much, Robin, (laughs) for coming on the show. This has been an incredible, incredible conversation. And I just want to pause here to honor you. You know, this work you're doing so many years, so many decades of giving people the tools emotionally and physically to give them that permission to feel their feelings and to know the science behind how these vibrations actually affect our wellness. So thank you so much for what you do in our wellness world. It's my great pleasure. Thank you, Josh. 
Hey, my friend, thank you for hanging out and growing with me on today's show. Remember to hit subscribe, share this podcast with somebody you care about that you think gets to hear this message. Support the show by leaving a five-star review for the podcast right now, simply by tapping on your show artwork on your iPhone. Click that purple link that says review this podcast. It helps the show reach more conscious and smart people like you, and your voice will attract more world-class guests that want to come on the show. So let them hear your voice. For all the downloads, videos, links, and free resources mentioned on the episode, go to wellnessforce.com forward slash radio. And while you're at my house on the web, join us in the Wellness Force community newsletter on that page and I'll send you four free guides around staying healthy with your eating, moving, and sleeping while you travel. But don't let this conversation stop here. Join a group of people like you over at the Wellness Force community Facebook page. This is where we talk about the things that really matter. We share our wins, inspirations, struggles, and a lot more. So join us, tap on the show artwork on your phone and hit that purple link that says join the Facebook group and I will welcome you at the door. Okay, now you get to go out into your world and create impact for the people that you care about. So until I see you again real soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness.